The years are gone now about the coal mines. This is a story of work and hardship. 230 men from the Arigna coal mines on strike for a five-day week and better pay. The mining is over for the boil anyway. Men from Drumkiran, Tarman, Drumshambo, Arigna. In the Arigna area there's a lot going that I work with. And even down here in Tarman too and on Drumkiran. They're going fast. Men damaged by coal dust and work. And some of them dying fairly young too, going at... Going at the early Slave labour, some call it still. Poking coal in low seams. Hauling coal in hutches. The miner has a fair amount of dust, God. And if he gets rock dust... His health is very bad if he gets rock dust. Gets onto the lungs, there's no shift in the wood. You can see the damage in the men's bodies. Cold dust isn't too bad, you know. You can hear it in their voices. <coughs> what age were you, Tommy, when you started to work? Well, I was just gone 15 years. At the time of the strike, Tommy Groulton well, and his there. younger brother, Phil Joe, were giants so in the landscape. So I was happy enough, but I liked to work all right. I liked it all right. And Legendary for their strength, for the speed of their work. I believe you were a hard worker. Well, I, know I was, that's right. I was a hard worker, and my brother as well was a very hard worker. Phil Joe. Aye, Phil Joe. He was great altogether. Outside his home in Falchi, Tommy was a shadow of that younger man, alone in the fine two-storey farmhouse in the hills looking down over Loch Allen. with the pneumatic peak for a lock of years. That's working off the compressor with compressed He leant on the stone wall, his small body bent. Later years were with the machine again. When the roof would be suitable, you'd meet the roof better times. His big hands like talons, ingrained with soil and the marks of labour. to the drawer, the drawer done the rest with it. And what kind of tonnage now would ye have moved in a day? Well, I suppose ten and twelve ton. Of your twelve or fourteen years of coal wall. It went out and... Went to the pit head and was weighed as it was coming out. And would there have been many men able to <laughs> to bring out as much in a day as yourself and Phil Joe? Ah, well, the wood. Oh, there were some great workers. Oh, there were great Oregna men now was great workers. Oh, very, very hardy. Was it hard work, Tommy? Well, uh, when you got used to it and got skilled... It wasn't that hair that came middle and easy to you. But the seams in Arigna was all shallow. They were mostly all from 17 to 21 inches. You were lying on your side now. Lying on the seat rock, as they said. And the roof touching over your shoulder. So... Were you ever afraid of it? Had a will, you would at times, like if you thought the roof was bad. But if you had plenty of pillars and keep it keep it well pillared up, you could live it safe enough now, I think. <coughs> How was your... did you get coal dust at all? Ah, well, I did, and even in the lash foil, I feel it now a bit. Oh, you have... Uh, Everyone that walked in it has a certain amount of dust. Some, as they went by, if they got rock dust, 
Oh, it comes very severe on your health. When you get a flu or a cold or hair getting out of it. But we done a file at the rock, at the museum tunnel to me and myself and my brother, boarding the rock and, and blasting it. Oh, there was plenty of dust there. Plenty of it. So my brother passed away in the last few years. So I walked in plenty of wet conditions too, with drip from the roof spilling down at you. Sometimes you had to wear oilskins. Because 40 years is, is a lifetime. I know it is. It's a good foil, all right, it is. It's a good foil to be in out of the daylight. Tell me then, there was a, there was a strike, wasn't there? Well, I suppose there were several strikes over the years, but... Was one, the strike was long, years ago, bitter and divisive. Some men, like Tommy Gralton, were at first reluctant four, to remember. Four months. But the story came back, fragmented. Well, I suppose it did. Well, I'd, uh, I surely was in that. I was working long before that. I was surely up at that strike. But I just can't remember it right now, would you believe it? I know some of them did go on. There was one, I think, went on a couple of months, all right. Peter McNiff is a guide in the mining museum in Rigna, uh, where the Graltons board the rock. Which is better to have fear in you, because if you decided, you know, I can't care, couldn't care, you just didn't prop enough, and you then would definitely get hurt. And where you get some faint idea of what working conditions of an were like. I come home from work at night, the men were still cutting coal, and I was a long journey from here, many miles, and I could have, I'd be having a little cup of tea at home and getting something to eat. I could see the lights blinking every time that the, the machine would change, them, with the jibbing is stuck on the rock, that the whole thing is stick, and you had to turn on the motor to get the jib off the rock, and I, the lights in the house at home would go down every time in the whole valley. The lights go down real yellow and come up again when he talked. It was forcing the motor to get the jib off the rock. Peter, listen to the water there dripping and coming down on the sides. Was, was that constant for you when you were working? At the coal face, you were releasing water, new water every time. So water be dripping in, in a mine was if you just stopped for any second that there was no noise going on or in an idle time all you'd hear was water. Water all the way. We had smaller tunnels and it didn't make as big an impact because it's fallen less of a distance. But in the main, or to main, to main tunnel for it be higher, it, it, you'd hear it much better. But in a working uh, mine during the working day a matter of much water was falling, you wouldn't hear it because the noise of men shoveling hutches on rail track only in the late hours of night, also in the mountains in Arigna. We took out the cold seams and we extended the tunnels with explosives and we packed the stuff back that we blew down in place of the coal to get rid of a number one behind the little wooden props called the pillars that held up the seal and packed it back behind them. And basically that packing was tightened by the mountain coming down slowly. And roughly, we were told from the people who followed up very closely, not from us as workers, that it came down almost 50% of whatever height the seam of coal was. And in that process, in the late hours of the night, near the coal face, if there was silence and if the coal cutter wasn't recutting, near the mountain coming down, the cracks of the rocks, the timbers breaking as they were being bent by the weight of the mountain, and actually the bits falling off the ceiling, chips out the giants falling, and actually it was very frightening. It was one of the things, see, in the daytime the same thing was probably happening, but because of the noise, you didn't hear it. But only in the later silent part from 12 o'clock onwards, if the coal cut was operating, that's the hours they operated cutting coal from 12 o'clock until morning to recut the coal when everybody was gone home. That was the system. I was as near to being killed several times. Just, I don't know how, it was God save me in a well, but uh, 
This is my uncle, Michael Wehan, Mickey Curley. The dark, I mean, Jesus come up, he said, Charlie Gaffney's after getting his head to the shore. He was one of the main strike leaders. He was up with Sir Frank Hurley and Paddy McManus was there too. And oh, this be a big lump where a bullet was stolen. I know he's only young and small, and it fell and it fell on his head. I thought he was he was knocked out. He was gone. And we had to bring no. We only bring him out in a hut, shout, and down the mountain. And she, they thought he was dead, and he was left below on the pit head for three or four hours in an open fucking shed, lying on a door, waiting for. The doctor and ambulance. They never even they never even notified the father or mother. I woke up at work eight and said the father. I thought he was going to die and he he was he was eight days semi conscious after. He never was the same after. Never was the same. Never was. Oh no, it was a dog rope. It was rough. You were, on, you were on your own once you were, you were on piecework from the day one. Just that uh, your comrades had out and opposite. The men worked on a piece rate. There was nothing else for you at the time. In fact, it got worse because the work got Paid for how much coal they cut the, or the, drew in a day. The, the air fixed in, 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 in 1958 and they, they killed the best of it. The air fix was fucking deadly. Big heavy air pick and an old cable hood and you were on peace work cutting so much ton and oh no air picks and you got those old dust and fumes and you no know, smoke off the blood, yeah, there were the air picks killed the best of me. Did. Like there were some got used there and handy at them, but yeah, there was more men, you know, the never got haunted ones or yeah, they didn't know. Uh, didn't hadn't didn't get the knack of them and they were kind of working against the grain and Jesus Christ it was it was, it was slave labour now. I mean the priest come in to me and Frank here they wanted it or cotton coal and he was from uh, Alaska or somewhere. I was lying down on the rock and I said, Oh pure damp, old bit of mass on it and he said he was in Alaska never he said he never seen anything like it. So he had like the conditions. Oh. Brutal. When you put on your clothes in the morning, you wouldn't see it out of dust. How the clothes dried to the fire the night before. Now, when we started first, it was all hand The mines were owned and run by the Leydens, uh, Vincent machine, and Miho. The Leydens also ran the shop in Rigna. I tried it up here in the whole mountain, but I used to, that was the first job you got drawn. Mm. And then when you were a few years of that, you got cotton. Hmm. What was the drawing like? You had a oh, hutch. You had your hutch and an outer, an awful fucking job. Low roads and broken timber and Christ, maybe you might you might have your back and then you hit it and take a scab off it. And, oh, yeah, but six or seven hundred in your hutch, so that was... 
or seven hundred weight. Weight, yeah. And then when when was the first strike in the pit? Oh, Vincent no, drove a Mercedes. I don't remember what car Michal had. The men rattled to work on the back of an open-topped lorry. They used to divide and conquer. You know that kind of way. They had they had a lot of old old latchikos that was carrying news and going to the back door and that was. And then, Mickey, the the big strike in '68. How did that start? We we had a claim in that about the five day week, and they were looking for a right on the five day week, and the news was coming to a head, and because the the picked her out to one or two of the drawers in Rock Hill, and they pulled out uh, unofficial, and they came. We were on this mountain, and so they came up in the far home on the morning and picked it our route, and we we went home, and that was. The 11th of November, that was the start of it. So it went from, it went from that until February. How did it? And the priest took sides in it too. He was, he was. So hardship? Oh, no, there was lots of hardship. There was lots of hardship, and, and there was very few rewards, so there was. And there was that no value, I mean, more than a dog, not a bit, you were only a number. And My godfather, Charlie Smith, was a firesman, a foreman in the mines. He worked on while the men were out, faced their hostility. He lives half a mile from my uncle, but they're worlds apart. And then I had another place that was after the machine, and we hauled out on old workers, and it was full of water, and the water came gushing in and I was nearly drowned <coughs> so I had them but I wouldn't pass much worse than when you get out but I was in in the whole lot of it I was 44 years in it And I suppose it's just time for me to leave it. <clears throat> when you say you were firesman, Charlie, what, what did that involve? That involved the run of the whole, the whole place. So a kind of foreman? A foreman, yeah. <clears throat> you meet some grand fellas and some fellas very comical and numerous and then you could meet, you could meet, I, I, I could name him now if I, not to be held too far away. <laughs> but I suppose some people didn't like being told what to do or asked to do. Some something. people wouldn't like and and some people would, meant what they were doing, well, no matter what they were doing, they were doing it right. Rose. Were a common thing. There was some people who'd walk out. Couldn't start about anything. Couldn't start about anything. And the smallest of things. There was hardly a day. 
a row in some part of it. Some of them was in the union and some of them wasn't. And some of them wouldn't join the union no matter what. But for myself, I was 44 years and I never was in the union. When it got to be four, man, you wouldn't be taken in the union anyways. Because the worst job I've ever had. Everybody was at you about something and then come out in the pub and here and there and I I got fed up with it and I in the latter end I put my bag on my shoulder and I went out of it, walked out of it. The long strike it was twenty seven weeks. Mm. An ugly strike was those ugly things done and I was, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was held up several times going to work, but I, I went to work. There were pickets, there was, all the men in the ring, there was uh, on a picket one wow. time I went, and, 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 and from time too as well, but I didn't pass a bit of marks, so I carried on. Twasn't days. Because you knew, you knew well that, you, that there were some of them totally against you. I used to push the care as, as well as I could to push it through them. And finished up that they, 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 they called a heart to it. And they were looking for a, for a, a five-day week, a five-day week. And they were entitled to a five-day week. They were on a six-day week, and they were entitled. And I think I think they were entitled to it. But it was it was the lady's fault that we wouldn't give them the bloody extra. And, and, and there'd be, I'd say, there'd be into pocket or rest. So you you agreed with what they were looking for, even though you didn't. I <laughs> agreed, but I couldn't. Strike. But I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't say that. You see, I, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd lose my job, and uh, and I did. It couldn't be a big loss. And <clears throat> did many men go on working through that time? I did five or six. Five or six. And in fact, all them five or six are dead too. I'd say they were, they were kind of forced into it, or they wouldn't. No, they were And then there were young men, young lads, you know, that they just didn't know right what what it meant to this strike in. There was a good deal of bitterness out of that, wasn't there? There was a good deal of bitterness. There was a good deal of bitterness. And it's only very lately that it settled down. And to be up it. Well, when I was there, and I was I was stuck on it, I was, I, I, I was, I was glad I stuck to, to, to me principal surely. But since that... 
I'm sorry for I have nothing to do with mind. But I wouldn't go back no road. If I could do it all again, I would not go to the pits. No, it's the last thing I think about doing. I was delighted the day I left it. And when the men went back to work in 69, Charlie, after the strike, was there... Was there any... Um, were they hard with you, or did you find it hard to work with them after? Well, in fact, no, they didn't. No, there was... There was... There was, there was some of them. There was some of them that... In fact, that's some of them written, written, been me the time of day since. But uh, I, the fellows have worked along with me, they had never passed me to Maris. And was there any bad feeling in the pubs or around socially? There was occasionally, occasionally there was, occasionally there was. And get another dig here and there. Pass no heat of it. When the mining museum opened, it opened up old memories. Scars for some families who had never known the extent of the hardship and suffering in the pits. We've seen some hurt with people here from the began to think about how they're... We've seen people so upset inside that we didn't know what to say to them. We felt upset ourselves with it because there were people we knew about thinking about what they, their husband had to walk in, in the water and, and, the, and the narrow spaces and the, the way that he, his health had broken down and that he never told them, you know, that it was so difficult and that. But, like, it was just mining, really, like, you know, and it was... Uh, I mean, something that was there for always and it had never changed. Some mines wouldn't be as wet as others and some mines would have better ceiling than others. And, you know, you'd have all those things, but if you're in a difficult, very weak ceiling and a very wet mine, you really had an awful hard time in it. But the feeling of people, let's back, go back to the feeling of people for thinking back on their husband, which they never seen where he walked. They heard about it in some detail, but to see it really hurt them. We've seen a lot of tears here in the early years with members of families who are ex-miners and had passed away. Um, like it was, we never thought that might happen the day we opened and the first time we came to people. That wasn't in our mind that we would see that happen, you know, but it was real, it was real. It was, uh, it was hurt, just hurt, you know. Anybody, um, a, a mother of the children, one that with the youth girls, you know, When when we were up there in Lynch's, now there was old workers there with men that men worked in a generation or two before us. So in certain spots we went out onto the old workers, and the tunnels that were driven in that time were very low, just that a man could move on his hands and knees. So the amazing thing about it, we could see 
the tracks of the trolleys they used, they were called breshkerts. They were really boxes with two skids on the bottom to run along the rock. And uh, there was a, a rope harness then that they tied onto it and put it round the shoulder and they were able to pull it along. Some of them had tracks of it to their grave with them where it cut into them, you know. So uh, Tom Fallon from Drumkieran, who no. led the strike with Michael Gwihan, knows his history. He remembers with quiet passion what the men were striking for and why they were right to strike. I just wrote them down this morning as I thought of them, you know. And uh, Sure, I suppose we had our differences, but there was a great camaraderie and all that, you know, for the most part. So now, these were the, the main issues that were there staring us the whole time. And the problem we had with any of these issues, that um, the company had the knack of saying, we'll give you sixpence a ton more and forget about the conditions. Well, they wouldn't say it, but they, they, the meet would take place and uh, that would be through union. So sixpence a ton more or so much on the shift. And... Uh, uh, we had to put that to the manager. We, we had uh, no meeting with the clergyman in Arigna, but he did be against us. Uh, the, the best the others, John Drum, Kieran Drum, Shamrock, Lee, the whole Ballyfernan, they stood back at, at, at very best. What made us to be able to stick on and uh, made the ladies come to the table, finally, I would think, that... He got on the pulpit and he said to the women of Arigna, tell your men to be thankful to have a job, go back to it. They came out of the mess and they, they, they said, that man isn't interested in our men. And that stinted up the thing then. That stinted up the thing. Unsung heroes were the, the women and families behind the men, you know, because they had to try and make ends meet. We were well aware of that. And that is the sadness of a strike, you know. Everybody can do without it, but some more than others now, it has to be said. Some more than others. You have to put down your foot in odd time, I'd say. You may lose a, a bit of money, but you, you, you gain a bit of a principle all the same every time, you know, because that company knows that you possibly will do. They, they won't rub the feet as much in you. If a, if a builder, would say, gets away with it, sure he'll do the same today. Won't you get work done as cheap as you can? That I, I always seen it a bit that it's up to the men to stand up and be counted, sort of, you know. You have to you have to do that. You have to do that. I think that you have to get people together and and uh, fight for a cause, you know. When you're young and you're unable to do it and by and large you'll have a better society and a, a better country out of it, you know. We're all men now when it's all over. What was it, what started the strike? Do you remember, Charlie? I mean, they were looking for a five-day week. We we're looking for a five-day week now. And Charlie Hopkins from Arigna remembers a lot of what went on at that time. But uh, a small number of drawers in in uh, Rockhill Pit went out on strike over. Um, they were looking for an increase in wages on the ton of coal, and that started an official strike. And of course, Leighton locked us out, so we were. We couldn't go back and work the, the, the time for work the the, um, the the length of time that was needed to to make the strike official. So we ended up with a non official dispute. What age were you then? I was nineteen at that time and I was a spokesperson uh, for the drawers at the time. 
you know. I remember clearly the night that the two boys were sent back, and there was about seven or eight of us, and I, I, I would have been great mates with the Lynch's lads, and we made them, and we were standing down the corner, probably in the store, and he slammed the door, and he, we could hear the bang of the door that's, that they were going to go back, but they knew that. Uh, had the damage done because he was hoping that for years before that I suppose for 20 years before that the place had been racked with unofficial disputes you know we never had a proper uh, official strike and then you'd have lads breaking the strike and going back to work and all that sort of carry on and he knew that it was history repeating itself uh, we had a big march to Carrick and Shannon, a lot of publicity, and the ESB uh, intervened at that time to offer uh, an increase to the to the lanes, and uh, they in turn then were able to to um, give in to some of our demands, not them all, no, but uh, some of them anyway. But you got the five-day week. We got the five-day week at that time. And uh, a lot of controversy. We had a local priest in Arigna who went against the strike and uh, even interfered and had what was called, or termed at the time, a housewife's ballot. And he preached on the altar that if the men didn't go back to work, the women should not cook their dinner or do anything for them. So the ballot was issued um, to the women in the church and uh, well, was returning to them, and he, he called a meeting, I remember, on a Sunday evening, and he had his ballot. But, uh, and what way did that uh, the, 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 ballot go? The, the ballot was put into a bucket and was burnt, and never was counted at all. And that was the beginning of the end for the priest as well. Because when the strike was over, um, he looked for monies to do some renovations on the church, and he got no response. So the bishop moved him on. He got his answer. He did. He did. And did he, did he accuse the men of being communists? Oh, he did. He, he read from the altar that we were communists. Uh, and it was at, at the, there was two masses in the ring at that time. There was one at 8 o'clock and then one at, at 11. And a number of us had heard about because he had said it at first mass. So we decided if he said it at second mass that we'd walk out. We were the young lads and there was Jogan Merton and, and John Peck and McManus and... Um, Johnny the Clyde Greehan and Seamus Gilouli and myself and a few more. So we, it was serious stuff because there was no money to be had mm. at all at the time. And that march then uh, to Carrick, Charlie, do, do you remember that? Oh, I do indeed. I do indeed. And uh, I remember there was there was a few people trying to prevent it, but it didn't happen. But uh, it got great publicity. And at the Champ of Vacation at school, uh, Pather Griffin was the headmaster, and he had the flag uh, at half-mast. And, uh, and then at Leithman Village, there was a local shopkeeper, Eddie Guihan, who was down in, in Terman. And Eddie had creamery cans of tea and sandwiches and, you know, it was... Did some men continue to work then while the strike went on? Oh, they did. Now, that, that was mostly... That, that, was, was, that was the saddest part of it, I suppose. Vincent Layden, I suppose, uh, thinking that he was helping, got a group of men to go back to work. They were mostly from uh, the Terman area. And then the, the lorry drivers were from Arigna. But... Um, that was resisted uh, greatly. I remember uh, we went down to the power station. I remember a fellow called Coyle, John Coyle, I think it was, and he lay in front of the lorry, you know, had his head right up to the wheel. And the driver was going to drive, but the girl stopped him. And I can see his head just under the front of an old EAC truck. And the driver revving the, the, the truck like it was, you know, it was awful dangerous uh, stuff now. The girl, the, uh, eventually, Vincent Aid was there too. And the cows uh, told him you better back off.
because you're not going in here. Nobody could. We all we had was was placards. You know, scabs go home. You know, whatever sort of makeshift uh, uh, placards. We all we all give them the message in writing, and I was shouting at them. <laughs> yeah, like we. I can remember the feeling of hatred that we had, you know, that these colleagues of ours would do such a thing. After you all went back to work then, did you talk to, at all to any of the men who broke the strike? Did you ever talk to them? We'd have met them in dance halls, but they weren't afraid to go to the dance halls. You know, they were young fellas and they were afraid to go out for years, I'd say, afterwards. And I remember at Smingers Road that took place, now I wasn't at the dance. Down at them and there was seaweed, there was two of the lads were seriously injured. And that was all over the strike. See, there weren't more colleagues of our, of ours either. We had a different, no lad on our side, apart from a couple of the lorry drivers, and we gave them lots of shtick for long enough, you know, called them scabs and all that, you know. Do you remember the day you went back to work? I do. Vividly now. As I say, when, when the strike, uh, the unofficial strike strike, we were about six months in, in uh, Rock Hale Pit, and we were on an air pick run. But we were working in bad conditions uh, as well, you know, and uh, very hard cold. It was just cold that wasn't viable to take out with the cold cutting machine. So we had a foreman there that wasn't that nice, but he was uh, he was a pure dog, a pure dog. He gave the men dogs abuse, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't a nice period. Working for that fellow now, I was. That's why I went to I went to America out of the air. I got away for twelve months. I was glad to get away from it. But I know that there was tremendous animosity up on on uh, on Lynch's Mountain. There was there was war up there. Uh, it created a lot of bitterness, and he was a bad feeling, an ill feeling, and we had divided neighbours and even cousins split. Sort of serious. Have you talked to Michael Green? Has he? We have. Yeah, we talked to Michael. What for yeah. is he? You know, not bad. You know, he's, yeah. he's he said he wouldn't set foot in the museum. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have much. Uh, uh, it's not telling a true picture. In the first place, it's not a genuine museum. It was an old rock tunnel. We never that never uh, had coal mine in the way that coal mine was done. You know, but they just it's a camouflage. Job, so we wouldn't see it as an authentic uh, thing at all. But that's me, I didn't want to say that, but you know, it's as well to, to say it. I don't want to be on the down, it's bringing in tourists, and if it is, good luck to it, you know. But there's a lot of it now, fantasy. So you saw people crying in here. We've yeah. seen people so hurt when they've seen the reality of the, the place for men had to walk the truth. It's really, really were because. Like it's, it's understandable. Like the mines were suited for people to visit, like with the lower tunnels and the ceiling problems and all. Like uh, so, it's only kind of my experience coming to life and uh, for him to put back the memories of the many ways of mining for people to mine. Like, thanks very much. As you leave the museum, you see photos, some of the history of the area many of the characters, musical history, social history. That's Paddy Mac's wife, Betty McManus, and that's Betty's sister, that's Sean Wynn's sister down here, that's Sean Suzanne, that they call him, the sister there. Some of the miners named and unnamed. Just having a bit of fun. But they're just some of the realities there. There's a photograph of the strike there. 
and in a corner almost hidden away, a small memory of that 68-69 strike. Tom Fallon, Johnny Clyde, there, there, there's a bit of it there at the bottom, suppose I'm not sure, it's a 12-mile 12, 12 march to Carrick and Shannon. Um, better walking on it, 1969, yeah. That's just... A Rigna Minor strike for five days a week. Um, trying to get from Johnny Clyde, Tom Fallon, just not getting this much. John DeCullen, John DeCullen of Shamba, and um, I know his face, but I can't. What actually we have him here? Um, there. Patrick Morrow, Jogan Martin, John P. McManus, yeah. Joe Cullen, Joe Cullen, Michael Gwihan, Joe Smith, Joe, Joe Smith, Smith. John Gwihan, Tom Gwihan. Fallon. That's it, you have them surely there, there. On the march. How was the strike settled? The way it was done then. Politicians putting pressure on. The ESB giving more money to the owners for the coal. The men getting their five-day week. And slightly improved pay. The government got the ESB to increase the price of coal to the company to cover the cost. That's the way And then the problem with the coal was so for the ESB wanted to close it. Because the coal was so dear on them. The coal, they were paying £68 a tonne for coal here in Rigna. Uh, at the time, they were buying um, American coal at £27 a tonne below and, and money paying for the station mm. delivered. So there was, it was, the strikes, the increases were given to set the strikes. You were saying that, that Miles, Miles McPadden, yes. who was a great wit, that he had a few good, good lines about the, about the mines. Oh, I said the mines was kind of like purgatory. It was, you suffer for a time before you go to America. I know a lot of the workers in the coal mines, they pulled out after a foil and went to America. Back in Tarman, and three days before he dies, Tommy Grouton begins to remember more about that strike. Did you, did yourself and, and, and Phil Joe and a, a few more men from around, did you work part of that time through, through that strike? Was there a... Oh, I know there was a strike that we... The company kind of forced us, would we go out and work? There was the pick 12 and forced them, would they go ahead and do bits of work? Work on. But after a couple of weeks, there was a settlement granted and we were back with the rest again. And going out during the strike and all that, well, it was bitter for a foil, but... It went off after a while. Time healed it off. It came to an end, the bitterness and all that. And was it um, was it some of the ladens then who wanted the, the, the twelve men to Oh it to was, it was. It was. They picked out twelve out of it. And asked us would we try and go to work and break up the strike. But we agreed and did go. But they didn't, they weren't keen to work with us now, the ones that went out during the strike, for a foil. I suppose again, Tommy, I was saying, I was only, whatever I say, a lad about eight or nine, but I remember the, the you know, hard old things being said at yeah. the time. 
about some of the men like yourselves who, who did go into aye, work, you aye, know, and aye, aye. and I wasn't that a, the word scab being used, aye, you know. But aye. and did, did anyone ever say anything like that to you, or was it? Uh, they did, they did. Uh, oh, they would call you scab at the time when you when you followed on and uh, breaking up the strike. Oh, you get that title, surely, surely, but uh, it didn't stay long on you. At his funeral mass's old pit lamp and a sod of turf were carried to the altar. But I know it can vex the rest. Men who had fought bitterly at the time of the strike stand together, help to dig and fill his grave. But I know after we done it, it never was done later. That was the end of it too. No one was ever going to bother again to go buy a picket. Tommy, coming back to the, to them times, and, and it's forty years ago now since since that strike. It's hard to believe, but did any afterwards? Did it? Did and did the ladens ever thank you for? Ah, uh, no. For, for what you did? Okay, no, no, no. The same as you done it on your own. They didn't back you up that much. No, no. Forty years on, there's little to commemorate a strike that scarred a community and altered the balance of power within it. The mines closed, the company wound up, the power station shut, the chimney gone, Vincent Layden and Michal dead. And did you ever say anything back to any of the men who... Uh, well, no, I didn't, no. Uh, you couldn't be saying anything back. Because you, you knew yourself you were at fault uh, to go by and to go by the picket. You were at fault yourself. There was no one at fault, only yourself, to do it. But you had to put up with that yourself. Memory lasts as long as it does and is gone. Oh, I know that the world, all the world, I know the the workers were very vexed about it. Oh, the title was going about scab, it was going wholesale. Oh, it was. But it'll hardly, it'll hardly ever be heard again. With the mine and coming to an end, and it'll never be heard around the region area again. Whenever I drive that long, bleak stretch of road from the Galley Bridge towards McCran's pub and the foot of the Erigna Road, I picture the line of men walking to Carrick forty years ago. The windmills turn on the hills over Erigna. I know all the yarns way back in the pubs. They were all connected to the coal mines. Mm. They'd be asking you how you were getting on in the pit and what height was your coal and all this and it was all the talk about the the pits in the area. But the yarns are gone now about the coal mines. So the mines is the mines has closed and the story has ended. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other documentary on one productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.